Hey guys, thanks for listening to Kinda Dating, the comedy dating podcast where influential guests and I break down the dating world and try to figure out why the fuck do we all have commitment issues? Today's topic is deal breakers and finding the one. Let's do this. Hello, Kinda Daters. I'm Natasha Chandale. You're listening to Kinda Dating. We have a really, really cool guest for you today. I'm a fan of his podcast, so this is really exciting for me. He's a host of the Iced Coffee Hour podcast. Hey, man. Welcome, Jack Selby. Thank you so much for having me. This is exciting and also a little bit nerve-wracking. Yeah, I'm like, do you do you talk a lot about like your relationship life on your podcast? Uh, we bring it up. The other host, Graham, loves bringing it up because he always makes a joke that retention spikes whenever we talk about dating and stuff like that because it's just relatable. So he tries to bring it up, but I generally try to shy away from talking too much about it. So obviously, the only right decision was to go on a dating podcast. That seems right? very logical. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's great. Um, so I mean, we got to start with the first question, which is always single or in a relationship. I am single. Okay. Ready to mm-hmm. mingle? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm ready to mingle. Yeah. I, I think that like, it's funny you alluded to like commitment issues. I don't think I have commitment issues, but I do think that I am not necessarily in a place right now with such a sporadic schedule with work and everything to have a long-term substantial relationship. And if I were to look for that, I would want to be dating to marry, you know? Wow, and I think really? That that might be for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's like the end goal always, obviously. Yeah. No, I mean, it is. But then uh, if you date to marry, it's like you are you would only get into a relationship with somebody thinking that that could lead to marriage kind of thing. Uh, yeah. And obviously, like, it could be a bit premature yeah. to, to maybe say that, like, if I go into a relationship with you, it could, like, it will lead to marriage. Yeah, definitely don't I say definitely, that. like... <laughs> no, that listen, would, that, I know, women course, do love I it. Would never... Women want a man who, who's trying to marry them. Do they? What? Do they not? I feel like it's different. I don't know. I feel like it's different. I what think is that your like experience? it's kind of like yeah, it's cat and mouse. Everything is cat and mouse. You always have a cat and you have a you have a mouse until both people are either cats or mouses. So, but that takes a while to establish. It does. I mean, look, we've all gone through the phases of playing cat and mouse for sure, but I do think I mean, most females that we talk to always just feel like guys don't even want to do that. Like they don't want to ever get married. So, uh, but I think it's kind of like what you're saying. I actually think guys are more like you, which is, you know, you guys tend to be more casual for a long time until you're ready. And then you only date with like one thing in mind, which is like, can she be my wife? Um, And so that doesn't leave a lot of room in between, I think, for a lot of people to feel like they can explore that option which is something we're going to talk about later, which is like the one, you know? Because it's right. like, well, how do you figure out who's the one unless you give them a chance? That is the hardest question. Right? Yeah. So let mm-hmm. me ask you, like, we're going to start with deal breakers first. Um, sure. And like in your experience sort of being out there and dating and all that stuff, like do you feel like this conversation comes up a lot? Like, or do people say it a lot to you? Like people you're dating or friends? Like, oh my God, this is my deal breaker. This is my deal breaker. Okay, so so no one uses like the term deal breaker anymore, which I find so weird because I feel like that's the perfect term to describe exactly what a deal breaker would be. They always use red flag and or ick, which 
Don't even get me started on ick because I think that that is the dumbest thing that I have ever heard. It's like, yes, of course, people are going to do things that like turn you off or gross you out. That is just the nature of being around someone for a lot of time. You you will just find things like that. But ick kind of, I feel like exaggerates or exacerbates like the true consequences. Like like I, like a girl can say she got an ick from from some guy for, I don't know, tripping and falling. And she's like, oh, I can never look at him the same because they assign the word ick to it. This is just my my theory. No, it right? is. If we didn't it's... have the word ick, they'd just be like, oh, it was a silly, silly mistake. But oh, I got the ick. Therefore, I should be turned off by this guy, which I just think is weird. Yeah, no, it is. It's uh, I was going to say, like, I think a lot of people, um, unfortunately, group like triggers and pet peeves into deal breakers. Because those are not always deal breakers, right? Like you said, somebody trips and falls isn't a deal breaker. That's just a maybe it was a pet peeve at the moment, or maybe it was just like it showed something about that person that, like, oh, you know, listen, they're male chauvinists and there can be female kind of, you know, we love that macho, like a macho dude sometimes. And if we see a man do something that feels even slightly effeminate, we can get turned off. But like you said, being turned off in a pet peeve is very different from a deal breaker. And right. yeah, you're right. We're definitely overusing the terms red flag and uh, like everything now is a red flag. I'm like, listen, just because he chews with his mouth mouth open is not a red flag. Like that's something you could teach somebody <laughs> to yes. not do. Yes, exactly. Hey, friends, it's your girl, Natasha Chandale, and I've got some really cool news to share. I'm finally offering one-on-one virtual dating coaching. That's right. You've been sliding in my DMs for years, but let's finally chat face-to-face or Zoom-to-Zoom. If you're in a dating rut, let's get you out. I'm the friend you never had and the honest dating coach you need. Whether you're in a relationship or looking for one, I'm here to talk through your problem, provide personalized guidance, and find a solution. For all you loyal listeners, You know that I had a string of unhealthy relationships. After escaping an abusive one, I decided to take accountability for my love life, healed myself, and put myself on a path to dating success. I am now in a happy, healthy relationship and want to help empower you in your dating journey too. I want to get you to an empowered state where you're making dating decisions from a positive, secure place. So when the stars align and you meet that right person, you're ready to welcome them. My approach is honest, practical, because I've actually dated in the modern landscape, optimistic, and I tend to go deep. And as a woman of color and an immigrant, I understand the nuances of many cultures. And with my background as a comedian, we'll probably have some laughs along the way. If you're ready to take control of your dating life, let's chat. Go to our new website, www.kindadating.com services for 50% off your first introductory session. That's right, 50% off your first introductory dating coaching session. Go to www.kindadating.com slash services and book your dating coaching session with me today. Talk soon. So like, have you come across anybody that that like maybe you liked and they were just like, well, this is a deal breaker. Has your podcast been a deal breaker for people? Okay, so like... I get grouped into two different stereotypes, which is the finance bro, because it's like a finance and entrepreneurship podcast, even though we've kind of been getting out of that niche. And I also get grouped into the um, the podcast bro, which is like another, they're like hand in hand. 
So like, I am the guy. Like, there's like this whole thing online. Like, no one should. What, what's what's the thing online that people are saying? Like, not everyone needs a podcast. And I think that like people are kind of like hating on podcasters as well as finance bros. So I get looped into those two like lower on the hierarchy scale uh, groups. Uh, but that's never been like a. I, I don't think like a real deal breaker. I think it's more it spurs intrigue in the other yeah. people, and it's different, you know. So I think it generally works out for me. But there obviously have been negative consequences of my podcast with regards to dating. Yeah, I mean, uh, I get that a lot too, because obviously having an actual dating podcast um, before I was in a relationship, guys would always be like, "So, oh, are you going to talk about me on your podcast?" And I just always say, if you don't do anything stupid, I'm not going to have to talk about you. So try not to do anything dumb. Oh, I don't wow. know. <laughs> so, so I, I unfortunately have talked about things like dates I have been on. But did you and, use and their names? Been, no, yeah. no, no, no. God, no. No, all I said was like, I think it, I said like a state that I was in when I went on a date yeah. and nothing more. Ju- I just talked about the conversation that we had because it was an interesting conversation. We could actually get into that too. It's, it's fascinating for me. Uh, but she actually reached out to me because the clip like went viral, and she's like, "Hey, we weren't you weren't supposed to talk about it." I'm like, "I didn't say your name. I didn't say anything. All I said was the state. Like, how can we?" And also, I'm so sorry. I don't. I didn't remember agreeing to not sharing information about the date. But yeah, yeah. Listen, yeah. it's like when you sign when you go on a date with somebody who's a podcaster. It's like you sign an automatic uh, release form, <laughs> you know, unless you've had a conversation. I'm like, oh, sorry. Um, but I do think, yeah, you just shouldn't use people's names and you didn't. So what, wait, what happened in that? You said you want to talk. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I went on a date with this girl and she's, oh my God, am I going to say this again? <laughs> Is she going to reach yeah, out again? <laughs> like, to the I'm not going to say what state. Okay. I'm not going to say any indicators aside from just the conversation. Okay. Okay. She worked a great job. She was a very successful person. Okay. Uh, and we got into like, relationship dynamics and she made it very apparent that she thinks the man should earn more than the woman. And she was very successful. So she's like limiting her pool of people that she can date uh, to a very small mm-hmm. pool uh, because of that. So we just got into it. And like I was, you know, happily engaged in the conversation wondering like, why do you think that the man needs to earn more? And she says, well, there are certain things in my family where my dad he earned less than my mom and it caused some tension in the relationship. He didn't feel very powerful in my mom. I don't think she really respected my dad because he didn't earn as much as her. So we like talked about that. And I wanted to know like the origins of why she thinks that way. And I, I firmly disagree. Like I think that it really doesn't matter. I think if it ends up with the man being insecure, that's an issue, but it's not an issue with the money. It's an issue with the man's security. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think uh, actually funny enough, I had the same thing in our home. So we had um, where my mom was earning more than my dad and it created problems. But the problem it created was what part, two part. One, what you said, which is that the man became insecure. So my dad was insecure. And so that created a lot of tension. Like he tried to control her in other ways. But the other part of it was he wasn't holding his weight in other areas. So it felt for for my mom that, well, she's doing everything. And I think that's what I learned when I grew older, that that was that fine balance. Is it, it, it's, it's okay for somebody to earn less than you. It's okay for a man to earn less than a woman. I just think then 
other things in their relationship should be balanced out, right? Like if you are- That is a hard pill to swallow for a guy. And that's the problem. To, to, and accept, that's the problem. to accept like, okay, I'm going to do like some chores around the house. I'm going to pick up the kids from school. I'm going to, like that for a lot of guys is like, demasculating. Well, you know? I mean, there was a really great viral video um, by this guy who worked at like UPS or something that went viral on TikTok talking about this, where he said he did some kind of like uh, reversal where he, uh, or a misdirect where he, ma- he made it seem like he has a problem with doing, you know, helping. Actually, yeah, that's what he said. I don't help my wife with chores, taking care of the kids, blah, blah, blah. He goes, I don't help because it's part of my job. And he goes, so I'm not helping her. I'm actually doing part of my job as a second parent and a partner in this relationship. And it went super viral because it's like, people do need to change their mindset around that. So as much as I'm a very independent woman and I've always earned by myself. I've always lived by myself. I've done all of that. Now I'm in a in a partnership where I live with my partner. He earns more than me and he's really, really busy in certain ways. So I've been like, okay, well, there are times that when I know he's really busy, it's okay for me to pick up the slack in other areas in the house because, and sometimes I get it. Like I've had to fight the like, oh my God, have I become like a housewife? But I was like, that's the partnership. And then there are times when I'm super busy, like when I'm prepping the podcast and I usually record in person, he helps me clean the house. He's like, okay, I'll do the vacuuming and I'll do this and you get the the podcast ready. And so it ideally should never feel like there's some weird power dynamic in a relationship. And when that happens, I think that's a problem. And so again, when we think about deal breakers, it's not, I don't think in that situation, the lady you you dated was correct in that it's not about the finances. It's about how your partner shows up for you in other ways if they're not going to make the same amount. How do they view that relationship? How do they view that partnership? What where's Where does their ego get placed? Because if a dude is super machismo, then that might be a problem for you. I really hope she does not see this. Uh, <laughs> because, but we'll, okay, we'll, we'll see. We'll I, see. I okay, hope she I, does because we would have a great conversation about this. That's a, sure. That's a great point. I have a question for you. Okay. So it seems like you have really good shared responsibilities and authority between you and your partner. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to know, did you guys have to fail upwards? Like in order to be that successful in responsibility, some aspect of some thing in your life, it's not just like you are super attentive to it and you are mindful of it and you are disciplined of it. It's like, no, I feel like in order to be in that upper echelon of skill level in any capacity, in anything in life, you have to fail several times in order to like finally understand what it is to be good with shared shared responsibilities. So were there ever times in your relationship where that was like an issue and you guys had to like be communicative about fixing it? I love that you're interviewing me on the podcast. This is great. <laughs> But yes, I feel like I'm the one that should be asking you questions. I know. Questions, I'm like, right? wow, wow. Let, let me tell you. No, uh, we. Yes, you're right. We did. So you know, one thing that uh, I learned after living with somebody is like when you date somebody and you're in two separate homes, everyone is on their best behavior, right? Like if you and I were dating and I was at your house, you would probably make dinner, or you know, you would clean the house. You would you would do your part of the responsibility because it's your home, right? Now, if you came to my house, I would probably prep dinner. The house would be clean, whatever. So like I'm doing my part. But now when you live together, it's like, wait, who's 
whose responsibility is it to clean everything and and to do the the food and whatever. So in the first part of us moving in together, I was taking on a lot of that load. And because I've never really felt comfortable being like a housewifey type of thing, I had to have a conversation with him. And I had to be like, hey, man, like, I'm also really busy. I can't make dinners seven nights a week for two people because if it was me alone, I made lunch and then I would eat the other half for dinner. So I didn't have to cook twice a day. But now with this grown ass man who eats a lot of food, I got to cook all the time. And that's like not okay with me. And then the cleaning and whatever. So then we had to have like discussions and then he's like, oh, shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now we actually, it's like very unspoken, but like I'll make dinner one night, then the next day he'll make dinner and then sometimes we'll order in. And then he's like, oh, I'll get lunch and you get dinner or I'll get lunch and he'll get dinner. So now we just kind of have this unspoken thing where we get it. And same with chores. You know, we kind of divided what I like to do and what he likes to do. So uh, the vacuum, honestly, is super heavy for me. I'm like 100 pounds. The vacuum is like 50 pounds. That's like my entire weight. So he does the vacuuming and does certain things. And like, I'm really anal about like a clean kitchen. So I do that. So well, yeah, we divided out. But it was a conversation and multiple conversations after kind of not... Uh, not showing up the exact way we needed. But a big part of it is, is communication. Like, And that's where, again, if we think about deal breakers and people just go with like, oh my God, well, he's not helping around the house. Deal breaker. No, sometimes you have to talk about it and give somebody room to improve. And if they mm -hmm. improve, great. But if they don't improve, that could be a problem. You know, it's like somebody's not receiving information. And so that's where like when it comes to these deal breakers, it's important to go like dig deeper, you know what I mean? About what is the actual deal breaker. So again, coming back to your, that lady you went on a date with, it's like, it's not about somebody just making more money than you. It's about yeah. their security level. Like she wants, she needs a man who's super fucking secure. Yes. Yeah. So that's what that really comes down to. Mm -hmm. what has been um what have been some of your uh do you think actually like men and women have different deal breakers probably i think that i mean i do think that there are biological differences generally speaking in men and women and i think that women generally want different things than men of course there are people that there are there are women that want more manly things and there are more men that want more womanly things and that's totally fine but I think generally speaking, yeah, women will have different deal breakers than men. Like I do think that most, most women probably want their man to be earning a secure income. I think that's, mm -hmm. and, and I would say most men probably don't think so much about that when it comes to their partner. And I think that's probably rooted, you know, thousands, thousands of years of biology. Uh, other things like, like, let's see what other different deal breakers could there be? What, like for you and your for, guy friends, like when you guys talk about women, what, what are some of the things that are, like guys say are like, eh, I can't do that? I mean, guys are, guys are a lot more like, <laughs> we are more interested in the physical characteristics of women. Yeah. So I think that those would be stronger deal breakers to us. Like, like for example, we go on a date with a girl, let, let, or I go on a date with a girl, let's just say, and she's 30% less attractive than her photos online. You know, that for me, 
is like, let's just say a seven out of 10 on a big deal scale, but I'm 30% less attractive in person than I am in photos. Let's just say that's probably for her, like half that of a big deal. You know what I mean? But why is she less attractive in person? You think just because like people are using filters I mean, and like, shit like that and they just yeah, don't actually Dating profiles, like everybody, they, they put their best foot forward. Yeah, I yeah. mean, why would you not, yeah. right? It's like Instagram and Twitter. It's like you put your... Yeah your best version of yourself out there. I used to be so. very anal. Like was my partner and I met on Hinge and like my big thing was, I'll always put nice pictures, but I would purposely not put a ton of makeup on my pictures because I know yeah. in real life, I don't wear a ton of makeup. So I was like, I'm not going to show up for you on a date and be like in a shit ton of makeup because it's like not going to be, uh, I won't be able to like keep that up for my whole life. So I'm like, if you like this picture, I'm going to look exactly like this fucking picture. <laughs> and yeah, that's great. Um, that's great. But I get it. There's a lot of people who use filters and all this stuff right now. And yeah, usually that's crazy. a no for me. Like you can if, tell, if I'm right? Scrolling on a dating app, and yeah, and you see filters or just like a bunch of makeup, like or let's just say like every single photo is from the exact same angle. You're like, you know, oh, is yeah. she hiding? Like, oh, 100%. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and yeah. the thing is, if you have if you don't have information or data on something, you assume the worst, right? Hundred percent. You assume Listen, the worst I, that she is hor- like hiding some massive boil. Yeah. I, I don't even, I don't no, even it's know. it's true. Well, I, you know? it's so funny because I had a bit in my stand-up about this, but it like comes off really harsh. And I'm like, everybody says, don't judge. I'm like, you should exactly, you should 100% judge people. Like I can tell from a picture exactly what somebody is on a dating app. Like if you're using fucking sunglasses all the time, there's something wrong with your eyes. Either your eyes are close together. You got cokey eyes. You got some shit. If it's something like all your pictures are profiles, I'm like, there's something wrong. There's no symmetry on some side of your face. If somebody's mm-hmm. pictures are cut like this, like they're just in the frame, they're either uh, like heavy or they're super short, which no problem yeah. with either of them, but it just means you're not comfortable with that to be able to show those things. And it's like not the nicest thing to say, but I'm like, what do you mean? Like people are exactly what they show you. So if you'll be more surprised when you try to meet them in person and you're like, oh my God, how come you're like this. And it's like, you should have analyzed their pictures because <laughs> it tells yes. you everything. Precisely. Um, no, you're right. I feel like guys tend to have, I find like more frivolous deal breakers, you know, like, because uh, we asked this question on the podcast, which when we come to you, I'm curious what your answer will be. Um, but whenever we ask people, like guys' responses are always like smoking. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Smoking. I'm like, what chick is yeah. smoking no, nowadays? I, I understand that. I think smoking is an unattractive trait. I don't think it's a deal breaker. No, no. And I get it, right? But like, as in the weight of it, it feels very like light. I, I Where for a woman, it's always like um, arrogance or anger or uh, cheating. Like it's always yeah. something like much heavier and bigger. Um, and I think partially, of course, it does come down to that biology factor of like women have a child bear and there's a lot more responsibility when you're in a relationship um, where guys, and like you said, even the finances, right? Women do want, tend to want men who are more stable and men care far less about that. Well, I think it, it's just rooted in like a man can take care of a woman and their family better, get them better food, get them a, a better house in a safer neighborhood, get them safer cars, et cetera, if he has more resources. Yeah. So I think that that is like the the rooted. I don't think it's like the oh I can afford like a Rolex and stuff like that. Like I don't think that that necessarily for most women no. hopefully is not like something that they find 
really attractive, but I think it's like the subconscious level, like low grade, this man will protect me. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, so, you know, according to psychology today, there are, they did some study and they said, these are the top six deal breakers that have come up in studies. I'm curious what you think. Um, the top six were um, hygiene or lack lack of hygiene, uh, yeah. addiction, any kind of uh, addiction, drugs, alcohol, gambling, any of that, clinginess, promiscuity, so too many sexual partners, apathy, mm-hmm. however people describe it or say it, um, and then lack of motivation or ambition. Does that feel like legit? Yeah, I would say those are kind of like the the most common ones. A- apathy, I don't really think is like a a super. I think actually, girls kind of can like an apathetic man, mm-hmm. uh, but could be wrong. This is just me speaking without a filter. You no, know, um, you should always speak without a filter here. Um, apathy, right. it's true. Like, <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I wouldn't be attracted to that. But I, I one of the most. But if a man is, if a man is coddling you. And like, like clingy, apathetic, being, if you're apathetic, you're kind of like the opposite of being clingy. Yes. It, it just means you're just like a lack of interest, which like you show a little bit of interest, but generally speaking, like, I don't think that you should be like totally enamored with them and like infatuated all of the time. So it is important to have like a little bit of apathy, you know, be a little apathetic, but not like fully, you know, you're just not interested whatsoever. Yeah. And it's also de- dependent on how you perceive that word, right? Because to me, apathetic isn't necessarily about them in the relationship. It's like them with the world and, and people around them. So when we've asked the question about what's your deal breaker on the show, you'd be surprised. The, the most common response for women is um, they're rude to waiters or rude to servers, which shows a type of, you know, arrogance, and in a sense, like there's a lack of apathy for somebody else's feelings. You know, they just don't give a shit about anybody else. And I think that is an unattractive quality to a lot of females. Hygiene, of course. I mean, there's just like some level of like, I, I could never. But I don't care about promiscuity. I wouldn't give a shit if somebody had like 100, 200 sex partners. I'd be like, whatever, man, as long as you don't have an STD and... I think guys care more about that than girls do. Really? Yeah, I think so. I and I'm not saying that I care a bunch about it. Yeah. I don't and I don't think it's necessarily about like for lack of a better word. Like guys girls could think that the guy thinks if she's had a lot of partners that it means like she's like used up. I don't think that's the case. I that is not like the that is not the way that my brain thinks. And I also don't think that that's, that's how most guys think as far as like a lot of sexual partners. What I see everything, I see everything as indicators. So it's like, why do you have a lot of partners? Was there something that happened to you? Like, and the, the, those deeply rooted things that could be causing them to have a lot of sexual partners as they get older, those for me would be deal breakers, not having a lot of partners in and of itself. That's fair. I will say as somebody who has had a lot of partners, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. nobody ever gave a shit. Every guy I ever dated wanted to get married to me. Like literally. If you had a lot of partners simply because you have a high libido, like I think that's different yeah. than like having a lot of partners because when you were like younger, you didn't feel like, I don't know, yeah. you like suffered in yeah. some capacity and it was like this, like this thing that carried on with you for your entire life and you're always trying to fill this void from being like a victim of, of in some capacity yeah, yeah, of yeah. something when you were younger. Like that, for me, that could be 
a, a harder thing to to look past. Yeah, that's fair. Than, than just than just a high libido. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, because we've had this conversation a bunch. We had uh, another dating coach come on, a male dating coach, and he felt that women shouldn't have sex until uh, until they become a girlfriend of a guy because he's going to judge her. And I actually posted about this on social and I asked because I have a very heavy, like heavy male following on my socials. So I was like, what do you guys actually think? Like, is this true or not? And I don't know if they were lying. I did it on Twitter and Instagram, but the high response was, we don't care. And I do think, again, there's this like, I do think age matters. I think when guys are younger, you think that a lot of these things are a reflection when, and then as you get older, you start realizing, man, women are the same as men. Sometimes we go on a date and we think a guy's hot and we just want to fuck. Like there's no, there's no like big, um, you know, deep rooted issue about it. It's just, I think you're hot and I want to fuck. But there, but there can be, you know, in the same way that like, like I, I see everything as indicators. Like for example, addiction, like if I see someone in there like hitting a vape, and they're hitting a vape all the way throughout the day. And maybe they go to the bathroom and they hit the vape in the bathroom. And then like they ask if they can vape in the car and stuff like that. Like, like it's not the vaping that is the issue. It really isn't. It's like this vaping could be an indicator of having an addict- addictive personality. Is this something that I want to pass on to my kids? Like, is this, you know what I mean? Like there, there are deeper things that I consider that like the, the colloquial or whatever, the common red flags for me, that those are not red flags in and of themselves, but they're just indicators for things that could or couldn't mm-hmm. be. Well, if let's let's use that vaping example. Um, if you uh, saw somebody and they were vaping through a date, would you ask them? Ask them, like, like ask like them what? about, like, oh, uh, do you love this, or like, would you find a way to like get to the root of what that's about, or would you? I just mean, it take depends. The- if I was if I was looking for a lifelong partner, you know, if I was in that period of time in my life. And yeah, for sure. Like I think communicating about everything that you see an issue with, for sure. But if it's something where it's like, I'm just going on casual dates and I'm like meeting someone, getting to know them, maybe we become friends. I don't know. Like then I, I don't really think it's my business. Let me ask you something. Cause you said um, you're not in the, obviously like a state of mind right now to be yeah. in a relationship, which I love. And I'm, that's very fair. Um, do you tell people that when you go out with yes. them? Yes, I, I tell them that like immediately. And do you think a dude's behavior changes with with women in general when he is kind of like in a state of like, yeah, I'm ready to meet somebody that... Yes. Yeah, I would say so. Okay, good. Yeah, I, I think people. I think if you're... What'd you say? I say good because that's what I tell people. Yeah, I would say for sure. Like if you are going on casual dates, you are going to be a little bit more apathetic uh, with the person you're going on a date with rather than like, okay, this could be someone that I'm spending the rest of my life with. I better make a good first impression. You know? I mean, that's just, I think it's quite obvious. But do you think that somebody could change your mind or do you think you would need to change your mind first about wanting to be in a relationship before your behavior changes? So obviously this is me just basing this response off of my own intuition because I have not experienced this firsthand. Um, so I would say, yes, I think everyone is ready. Realistically, when I say everyone, 99.9% of people are ready to find the person they're going to spend the rest of their life with. They just haven't found that person yet, right? So 
I think some people, obviously, if you shift your your mental space from like, I will find my life from casual dating to I will find my life partner, you will, it's it's more likely that you'll get locked up in something long term. Yes. But also like if you are 100% no, you don't think you are, but you meet the perfect person, then yeah, I think that it's just naturally going to be the the way things go. You will end up being with them. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting, right? Because it's like, which one comes first? Because you, if you're in like sort of a casual state and like, like you said, there's part, there's part of you that's apathetic. And, and I, I was at for, for years and years and years before I finally was like, okay, I'm done. Um, you, you're not always, you're purposely kind of choosing partners that you know are not gonna, that are not gonna like step up. Like, you know, I feel like. That's a tough question. Because, okay, here's, here's what I'll, here's what I'll ask you. And this is, this is what I um, used to ask myself. Because you said yourself, right? 99.9% of people are actually ready. Mm-hmm. They're just waiting to meet somebody. Yeah, they, don't, they may not think that they're ready, but they, they will be Most ready. Most people if, if have the, the opportunity comes knocking, then, you know, they'll open the door. Most people have the skills, right? I believe somewhere deep inside, we all have like basic skills to function as, as decent human beings. Most of us, not yeah. all, but most of us. So like if you're going on a date and, and you're, you're choosing people, um, do you identify as somebody who is smart and intelligent or do you identify as somebody who's a bit more ignorant and dumb? Do I identify? Do I? What, do you believe you, you are smart or do you believe you are dumb? Uh, I think I'm smart. So, <laughs> so when people identify smart, I'm like, you know better. Right. So like you deep down when you're going out on a date with somebody and you know, she's not going to like she doesn't have the quality. You already know most of the time the kind of person you're choosing and you know that they're not going to they're probably not that wife material because you're not ready. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. But I, I am a firm believer. You treat every single encounter, every single person that you meet as though they are enlightened and you are not. And you can learn something from them. 100%. So even if I know I'm going on a date with a girl where it's like, okay, like I see a bunch of things that I realistically could not see the, the mother of my children having, such as like maybe the 50-year-old Jack, if I'm married to somebody with these qualities, don't, I hope this doesn't cause any issues, but let's just say like tattoos head to toe, right? Okay. Or like massive gauge earrings. You know, like I know for, I'm, and I don't know for a fact, but I'm guessing that's not going to be something that I'm, that type of person I'm going to be marrying. Um, but who knows? I still think that if I have any intrigue for somebody that I see online, it's like, well, why not just go get a coffee? Why not go for a hike? Why? I, I, I am a firm believer in the human experience, you know, and, like, and go have fun, enjoy your time. And you should be. And that's where I'm asking though, about that, like, you know, how do you, cause I worry about saying out loud that like, oh, a girl can change a guy on a date. Cause I'm like 99% of the time, the dude knows that if he's going out with you and he says he's not ready to be in a relationship, that most likely you are not going to be able to change him because he already has put you in a category of like, I already know that this person doesn't have true potential, but like, let me go out. There's like, of course, a 1% sliver of a chance that she's this amazing person and changes your mind and your world is rocked and suddenly you want to leave it all behind. Like there's 1%, but but people can't live off that 1% and they got to go like, if especially like you're dating somebody and he straight up says, 
I'm not ready. Don't think you're going to be that 1% that's going to suddenly change him. If that happens naturally, great. Kind of daters. Are you a catch but not getting any matches on your dating app profile? Then Profile Booster is perfect for you. It's a brand new service offered by Kinda Dating to optimize your dating app profile so you can reflect the best version of yourself online and get the matches you deserve. With sometimes five pictures and three prompts, it's hard to showcase your full self. You'll be working with me, Natasha Chandel, a dating expert and professional screenwriter, and Luis Miranda, a veteran brand strategist with a track record of success. Oh, and we're a real-life couple. After a string of our own failed relationships and shitty dates, Luis and I individually decided to get more intentional about our love lives. We crafted dating app profiles that stood out, were memorable, and were authentically us. We matched on a dating app just three weeks before the pandemic lockdown and recently celebrated our three-year anniversary this year. Since then, we've successfully helped friends do the same and now want to help you. We'll customize a plan just for you so you can showcase your authentic voice and image to attract the right match for you. Ready to boost your love life? Profile Booster is available now at an incredibly affordable price. Visit www.kindadating.com services and let's transform your dating profile and get you more matches today. I would agree with that. You know, generally speaking, everyone thinks that they're the exception, but statistics would prove them otherwise. Uh, just by laws of statistics. But yeah, I would agree. You're probably not going to change the man's mind, but there definitely are strategies that I would say you could employ to bring that 1% to 5%. Ooh, what is know? that? What do you think? I would say like, if you just treat him well, are not clingy. If if the guy says, you know, there's it's not going to happen, realistically, he's like emotionally unavailable and or has commitment issues. So you have to show him that you are not looking for something super committal and or like super clingy, touchy, you know what I mean? Like you're you're there trying to like manage his life and he's supposed to be managing your life. Like it's, it, you have to create distance and space between you two. Um, but show him a good time. Every, every time you guys hang out, like just be fun, be yourself. <clears throat> Don't text him all the time. Don't call him all the time and just be a good person. And then eventually that I would say is like your best opportunity. You can't be like, well... Like, I want to keep going on dates with you, but like, I really want to be your girlfriend and stuff. Like, that is going to scare him away. Of course. You know what I mean? Of course. It has to be the natural flow of things. So, yeah. And I think, uh, again, the balance of that, because like we've done episodes on sort of this like cool girl syndrome, you know, where uh, I, I used to do that too. It's like sometimes you're playing it too cool. And I don't think that's the thing either. I think the idea is just like being really secure in yourself. Um, and part of that security means yeah. that like, hey, uh, you text him, but like, you know, he has a job. So like, it's okay if he texts you four hours later because he's working and and you're busy doing something else and that's okay. And you don't have to meet every day and you don't have to say like, I need this and I need that and I need the other because you know your worth and you go like, if this person really likes you, they'll show up for you too in the same way. And like, I do think one big thing that you said that's a green flag I find for men is uh, a supportive partner. And you, I, I was so shocked that that that, that 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 doesn't happen as much. But um, I know that that's such a big thing for guys, right? Like you guys like to feel supported yes. by your partner. Yeah, I would say that is like 
like one of the main deeper qualities that men would appreciate in their partner is support. And I do think admiration. Mm -hmm. The word specifically to admire means a lot. If I think in a relationship, both people need to admire each other without a doubt. There need to be certain qualities about the other person that you are wowed by. But I also think specifically, if the woman does not admire the man, I think that 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 relationship is doomed. It is destined to blow up. I don't think it will work. It's true. I mean, when you look at love languages for men versus women, uh, a lot of women's tends to be uh, gifts and or acts of service. And for men, it tends to be physical touch and words of affirmation. And uh, men always need to hear that they are good. And and it is funny because like, I mean, again, my partner, I, I, I adore the shit out of him. I think he's brilliant. And but I've I've learned to like when I was younger, I didn't say those words out loud as much just because I didn't know anybody wanted to hear it. I didn't realize it. Then I learned I was like, oh, my God, people want to hear that. And so he has a day job, but then he also like DJs at night. And it's a style of music that is not my music. But I, you know, people always ask me, they're like, do you go? And I'm like, yeah, I go for 90% of his his gigs. Um, unless it's like out of town or it's like three in the morning, then I won't go. But um, usually I go. Like we just went to Amsterdam because he had a gig. We had a, we, I went to Spain and I, you know, was at a spot till 4.30 in the morning because this is something really important to him. And then I've learned to like say that, like, you know, when he has an achievement, I'm like, wow, that was amazing. Like, I'm super proud of you. Like, you're so great because of A, B, C, D, E. And you don't realize that like somebody else just wants to hear that too, the same way we want to hear that. Like, I love when somebody says, and when he says, you know, I'm so proud of something you did, or I do stand up. So it's like, oh, the set was so funny. Or when he shows up, I'm like, oh, that's great. So the same way we want that emotional support, sometimes we forget that guys also need that emotional support. Yeah. Um, well, guys, if you like this episode so far, please make sure you screenshot it and tag us and tell us what you thought of it. We're also on social media. We're at Kinda Dating across the board. So make sure you follow us. And hey, if you haven't already, what the fuck? Sub- subscribe to the podcast, man. And uh, tell your friends and give us a five-star rating or review. Okay, thanks. I love you. Jack, we're now going to switch a little as we, you know, wrap out this episode a bit. But like, have you ever felt that you found the one? <clears throat> no, no, I would not say that I have. No, I've I've had one. Well, I've had three girlfriends. One was in middle school. One was in high school. And one was like four months of high school, maybe a couple months of high school. And then two, it lasted two and a half years. So like a little bit into college. And I don't think that any of those were the one Maybe I've seen somebody on the street and they could have been the one. Maybe I've met somebody through my job and they could have been the one because I have been attracted to to people like a lot, like infatuated with people. But no, like it it dissipates it. it I lose it. Uh, I mean, I'm glad that you said that because I really don't believe the one is like a feeling or an infatuation or just like lust, you know? And I think that's where people get very confused with what the one is. But have your friends ever felt like they found the one or do you have any married friends? Did they ever feel like, oh, this is the one? Um, I feel like my parents, they were the one, you know? That's so cute. Which is good. Yeah. Um, I uh, Friends? 
You have no married I mean, friend, Jack. I, I, come on. Man. I, I do have married friends. I, in fact, I have, I all say their names. Jonathan and Aubrey are their names. And I was with Jonathan when he saw a photo of Aubrey. It was showed to him by someone that was sitting next to us in class. It was senior year of high school in digital photography. And it was like a photo of a bunch of people on a boat. This girl, Grace, was showing it to my friend, Jonathan. And she's like, look at this. We, we did this over the weekend. And Jonathan immediately was like, who is that? And he pointed at a girl. Turns out it was Aubrey. They went on a date and uh, they got married. And, you know, he's like 24. So he's married. They have a house. He's working a job. She's a full-time nurse. Like, and I could never imagine either of them ever splitting up or being with anybody else. Like, I just think like, like that's pretty crazy, right? That you're a guy and you're just like, who is that? Out of a whole, like, you know, group of people. I mean, not totally crazy because you could look at somebody and, and be like, this person is really attractive to me. Um, how long after they dated did they get married? I think it was a few years. Yeah. Yeah, so that was senior year of high school. It was probably four years. Yeah. Because see, like, okay, I have really strong beliefs about the one. Um, I really think like the one is a concept that's very um, misused uh, and misunderstood because to me, it's like your friend saw somebody, thought they were beautiful, attractive. Some some instinct was like, I want to know who this person is. But they didn't marry them on their first date or date two, right? You said a few years passed and a few years needed to pass because the one to me is, is not in a moment. It's like a summation of events. It's someone like showing up for you every single day in the way you want and need over and over until you finally realize like, yeah, okay, yeah, this person is the one because mm-hmm. this is going to last. But it actually has to be rooted in like more than a moment's experience, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Like, I don't think that it's, you just see somebody and know off the rip that they are the one. But I do think that like, you can use the term, the one, the way that I would define it is like, I see relationships, marriages, all of that stuff as like thresholds of compatibility. So beneath this threshold of compatibility, if you try to get with somebody, realistically, it is doomed to fail. Whether that's friendships, whether that's a relationship, a partner, a marriage, et cetera, you will get divorced if you are beneath a certain threshold of compatibility. Now, above the threshold, you can have successful relationships with these people. But you can't just go above the threshold. You can continue to go above the threshold And you can go twice above the threshold and three times above the, like you can continue. There are thresholds and thresholds and thresholds. Um, And I do think that the one exists, but I think they're like, I know this kind of defeats the definition of the one, but like multiple ones. You know what I mean? It's just like in some upper echelon of compatibility where like, let's say realistically, you knew perfectly well, 10,000 people that were viable partners and you could pick out 10 of them. You know what I mean? And, And they're like all incredible and they make amazing lifelong partners shared interests, shared values, you know, um, ideal, same ideals, et cetera. Yeah. So and I, I, I do think that. Yeah. yeah, no, I love that. And I, I do think, like you said, the, the one sometimes the problem is that we live, we tend to live in the future also. And truly the only moment that exists is right now. So even mm-hmm. right, I just got engaged and uh, everybody goes like, oh my God, so is he the one? And I always say he's the one right now because right now is the only moment that exists. I'm sure, I'm sure he loves He knows that. it. I'm- he knows me. I say, he, he and I talk about this all the time. I said, if tomorrow he fucks up and he cheats on me, which is like, that's my deal breaker. If he cheats on me, he's not the one. 
And so you do not believe in unconditional love? I believe in, uh, no, not totally, to be completely honest with you. Love is conditional. It's not that it's conditional. I'll love him, but I don't have to be with him. I can love somebody, but if they cheat on me and I know that my trust is going to be betrayed, there's an aspect of when you say forgive and forget. I can forgive you, but that part of that is I'm also allowed to make a decision that this is not a, a fit for me anymore because I know I will not be able to give my 100% to that. And that's fair because every action has a consequence. That's not for everybody, though. That's just a me thing. And that's why I say the one is very subjective because there's not these like everybody shows up for everybody in the same way. Um, everybody has different wants and needs. And you will find the one, quote unquote, for you when a, somebody shows up over and over the way you want and need. So for me, it's like, if somebody betrayed my trust, which is an actual deal breaker for me of that level, that I'm not talking about white lies or little dumb shit. I'm talking about like you fucked somebody else is a deal breaker for me. Um, I could still say, hey, listen, I, I love you. That's why this is going to hurt a lot. But I don't think I can continue in that relationship. Um, and that's where like a lot of divorce happens, right? Like conscious uncoupling or whatever bullshit people want to call it. But you can love somebody and still choose to not be with them. Um, and that's why I say like, he's the one right now. If tomorrow I have no idea what the future holds, somebody does something. I could do something to him that that he has I, no idea about. I could be, be projecting here. Please. But it, it does sound. Yeah. Like when you say he's the one for right now, that there still is this element of like, like a little bit lack of trust and faith. Now, I will say this much. It's funny because this is a hard thing for me to admit. Um, usually the people that I'm not a super trusting person, mm -hmm. right? I, I, I think it takes a long time to earn my trust. The people that are like that, that think trust is so important, are usually not very trustworthy themselves. Mm -hmm. Hey, listen, completely fair. I will say my personal thing, I'm actually a very, very spiritual person. So uh, even this concept of forgiveness and forgetting, like I had a monk, a Buddhist monk for a long time. And, oh, wow. and so I would talk to her about this. And I said, you know, because I used to be extremely forgiving and forgetting and I have been cheated on. I've let people back in and and, but I found myself in these same patterns over and over again. And, you know, I finally asked her, I was like, I know we talk a lot about forgiveness and forgetting, but like, it does forgetting just mean that I have to stay back in this thing that isn't making me happy? And she's like, absolutely not. You know, she was like, of course, you forgive somebody. I don't have ill will towards any of the people who had hurt me in the past, none. But I'm also allowed to go like, yeah, you know, I forgive you and I can even forget it in the sense that like I'm never hold I'm not holding it above their head, but I am allowed to make a decision that's right for me. And the the right decision was this isn't serving me because it's not actually giving me happiness. So it's better to be free than to stay in something that's making one or both people unhappy. Um, and for me, when I say now, I actually say it from a very spiritual sense. This is the only moment that exists, Jack. So Okay, I know. So you're, this have is you the read only Eckhart, moment. Eckhart Tolle? Yeah, this is the only. Okay, so you're talking. Yeah, yeah, this is the true only moment that exists. Correct. And yes. I used to be somebody who was always obsessed with the future. And I think a lot of people are, right? And they, 
And that's why, like, you talk about divorce. Why are divorce rates so high? And so many people are crushed because they think this person's going to be there for me forever. And I just go, I know it doesn't sound romantic, but sometimes spirituality isn't always romantic. It's just like staying in the present moment. And the present moment is, this is the only moment that exists. I have no idea what will come up tomorrow to make anybody behave in any way. So what I would rather do is go, he is the one right now for me. And I love that moment. And I live in that moment. And I cherish him in that moment. And every moment that exists, I give him my 100,000%. He knows that. And then when we deal with a moment that that maybe one of us might or might not show up for each other, we'll deal with that then. But I have no idea what that is. So yeah, I think if, I'm not if you're think- saying that he's the one. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm saying I'm not saying he's the one now in a negative context. Yes, I you're saying it, in the Eckhart Tollean way, yes. which I think is great. I think that's great. Yeah. I have no problem with that. Whatsoever. But I feel like in every moment, the and you said I I have had my trust broken a million times in the past. That said, mm-hmm. I have done so much work on myself that I can give more than my hundred percent now in a relationship in every moment. And even if he were to break my trust tomorrow, we've also talked about this, is like, what happens if tomorrow we get a divorce? We always say like, we'll be okay. And that's okay. Like, I know now I would be okay. So that's, it's fine. Like, I'm okay to give my 100,000% in this moment because I know I'm not going to be like death because I've done all that work to myself to just live in the moment, if that makes sense. Right. It does. Yeah. So, uh... But listen, I also understand what you're saying because there is this element of like, oftentimes we're projecting on people. It, it, I'm Indian. We have this um, saying that says thieves see others as thieves. Um, so it's like, because you're you know cheating people, you think everybody else is cheating you. And yeah. that does tend to be a thing. Um, so I understand it. Uh, I hope that that's not me because I think I'm... Like, unfortunate open book. He has like access to all my socials. I'm like, do you could do whatever the fuck you want. I don't care because I just know how yeah. I behave. Um, no, I just, I just felt like I wanted to, to bring it up because yeah. <clears throat> no, it, it's an interesting point, you know? No, and the thieves I, see others, people as thieves. That's, that's really fascinating too. Yeah, I love that. Um, I, I love that you did uh, because a lot of people don't have these like just blatant open conversations. So I'm, I'm glad that you did. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you know if you think you found the one? Honestly, like, how would I know? Well, I would just be predicting here because I haven't. Um, but I think that I would be willing to sacrifice a lot for this person. And yet they would not demand that I sacrifice anything. So probably I something like that. that. Yeah. Have you ever thought about um, the way you want to feel in, a, in your ideal relationship? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, I I just, I want to feel like, honestly, a lot of people, they say like, you have to become whole or complete and then go into a relationship. It's like, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I think like, if you can find somebody that can pick up the slack where you leave slack and you can, you know, pick up their slack where they leave slack, that's great. You know what I mean? Like there are certain parts of me that just, I think realistically, this sounds negative and I'm not a firm believer in saying like, like, you know, negative things about oneself. But there are certain parts of me, like I'm wildly ADHD, 
wildly. So like keeping a calendar, I am horrible at. Doing like little things every single day, remembering to take out the trash on it when it's Tuesday or whatever, like doing all the, those things I'm awful at. So finding a partner that could supplement that and manage a calendar and stuff like that. And then parts of me that I think I am uniquely good at, I am totally happy and willing to like help spread that to somebody else maybe where they have those weaknesses. So... I love that. Yeah, I'm glad that you think about some of those things because I, I ask people that question. I go, how do you want to feel in a relationship and uh, or in like the ideal relationship? And a lot of people don't know the answer to that. And I think that's something for people who are listening to think about because if it's like, I want to feel peaceful, I want to feel safe, I want to feel whatever, you need to be able to identify those feelings so that, or I, I want fun. You know, that's also fair. And uh, so that when you go on these dates, hopefully you can um, kind of dig deep and go like, am I feeling some of these things? And you're not going to feel it at 100% on date one. But that idea right. of like, are you getting some some inkling of it? Can you build on that? And does Just stimulating there? for me is really important. I want to feel stimulated in a mm. relationship. Um, I, like I said, like the ADHD thing can be quite challenging if I'm spending a lot of time with people. So they need to be like very stimulating for me. <clears throat> or else like my mind just trails, you know? So I like someone that can have intelligent talk. Like that for me is super, super important. Intelligence, I would say, is probably the number one thing in like a viable partner for me. Above looks, honestly, it really is. Um, you say that until... <laughs> until, yeah. And then, and until then I turn 50 when I marry... less attractive than her... Uh, I know. Her yeah, profile, her profile suggests. Yeah. <laughs> And then we're 60, though, and she lost her great... Um, I shouldn't say that because I'll be attracted to different things when I'm 60, <laughs> or so they say. You never uh, know. But yeah, I would say like stimulation for me would be... That's how I would want to feel. Stimulated um, and someone that makes me better. You know what I mean? That's that a very important like one for sure. Super, super crucial. I always want to try to be better. And I know that like I can find somebody that will want the best out of me. I love that. Well, uh, Jack Selby, this was great. I really appreciate the... Uh, the honest conversation and the, the challenging conversation. Um, I appreciate you being open. Thanks for being on the podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Um, Jack, you're not totally done. We do something called six questions. Now, now you get to finally tell everybody what your, your uh, deal breaker is. But uh, we ask every single person the exact same six questions on the podcast. So Jack Selby, are you ready for your six mm -hmm. questions? Yes. All right. Uh, what is the first thing you notice about a potential partner? Smile. Nice. What is one deal breaker? Lack of intelligence. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. What turns you on? Can I say two things? Sure. Intelligence and ambition. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Uh... What are one of your strengths and one of your weaknesses in relationships? I would say my strengths is that if I really care about someone, I will do anything for them. And you can see this in my friends. You can see this in my family members. I'll do anything for them. I'm very much an acts of service guy to the nth degree. My weakness, I would say, I try to fix people. Mm. That Coldplay song, It's Not Real. Don't listen to it. No. Do not listen to it on no. repeat. I no. love that song, but it's not good. Um, good what is love? I try to think about the people that I love in my life 
And the first people that come to my mind would be my best friend and my close family. So what do they all have in common? I would say just like this, like you feel like you can be 100% entirely yourself, just this low-grade warmth and positive thoughts all of the time when you're thinking about them. Like I don't think about... My best friend, his name is Jack as well. I never think about Jack ever in a negative way. Ever. Like I, I see him for me. I see him as like one of my idols. I admire him. I see him as like nearly like a godlike figure in the same way they see my parents that way. It's like they can do no wrong. I just, I know them. I love them. I trust them. Just having this like, this, this so much confidence in who they are as a person and accepting them fully. I know all of the things Jack's gone through. I am well aware of everything. And it doesn't matter. I still accept him and I still love him. You know what I mean? I love that. Um, and Jack, besides I love you, what three words would you want your partner to tell you? Oh my gosh, that's a hard question. Mm-hmm. Do people just like, do they respond immediately to these I things? Mean, or like sometimes. Three words? You are right. No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> that's, that, that's toxic. That's toxic. Uh, three words to express love or just in general? What, however you perceive it. Besides I love three you, words. what three words would you want your partner to tell you? I would say something. Honestly, probably like I'm confident. Like if she said that to me, I'm confident. If I were wavering in some capacity, we were going through something and I'm like, I don't really know. Is it going to be okay if we do this? And she's like, I'm confident. That's a very cool response. You know, that most people say, most people make it about themselves. So that was a very interesting response. You made it about somebody else. Yeah, that would be nice. Like some reassurance in some capacity. Yeah, that was the first time I heard that. Um, Jack Selby, thank you so much again for being on the podcast. How can everyone find you and all your work and your podcast? You guys can just look up the Iced Coffee Hour on any audio streaming service and or YouTube. Um, And uh, yourself? Is just J-L-S-S-E-L-B-Y on Instagram. Um, and guys, all of these will be in the show notes of this episode. So make sure you follow Jack and his podcast. Um, thank you guys for listening in. Uh, follow us. We're also on social media. We're at Kinda Dating Across the Board. I'm at Natasha Chandale on Instagram and Facebook, Natasha.Chandale on TikTok. Thanks, guys, so much for downloading this episode. If you like something you heard, make sure you screenshot the episode and tag us on social media. Finally. I know it seems tough out there, but just try. Till next time. Kinda Dating is created, produced, and hosted by myself, Natasha Chandale. Aisha Holden is my co-host and our social media producer. And we only sound great thanks to our producer and audio engineer, Adam Pineless. The opening music is composed by Joe Lorenzetti, and our logo and graphics are by Jenna Yenick and K. Daniel Ellis.